Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans' issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Good evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour for Monday, March the 14th, 2022. This is Air Force veteran David Corey along with my co-host Richard Hurley. Uh, we have lots of news and information for veterans and their families, so stay tuned. Let's go over to Richard Hurley. Hello, Rick. How you doing? Good, David. How you doing tonight? Good evening, Good. everybody, and hope everyone's doing well and, and staying healthy. Seems like we're on a rebound here from... Such a long time with, with our, our COVID situation that <clears throat> things are getting a little better. Before we get into the show, I want to remind everybody that this is a call-in show. That means you can give us a call at one eight 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 six two seven six zero zero eight. We want to hear about your you know, any comments or questions you may have about anything pertaining to um, what, what we talk about during the show. You also may want to talk about your own situation at the VA or at the Board of Veteran Appeals. Uh, I mean, everybody has their own experiences. I do so many uh, VPA hearings these days that uh, it just seems like not not one hearing is, is alike. Every, every, they all have their like any any type of, of hearing. They all have their uh, their little nuances, and it's all fact 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 based and. Uh, so it's very important, veterans, if you're if you're out there, to um, to you know um, give us a call and tell us uh, what's going on. I want to congratulate the people over at uh, Spruce Preserve Golf Club. Uh, they put on a great uh, outing on Sunday, yesterday, for the the military group uh, at Spruce Run, which is a uh, fifty-five and older community probably 80% veterans, and uh, they had a uh, great, great turnout, uh, very well done, raised a lot of money for, for veterans and the needs of veterans and families for veterans, and uh, Hank Whittier, who's from uh, Ocala, Florida, who's, who runs veteran service uh, uh, office over there in Ocala, who's just done an incredible job, and David and I, you know, we know him personally, we've been on his show many times, he's been on our show. And this guy, you talk about the uh, Ever Ready Bunny. This guy is in his mid-80s and just still going strong and helping veterans. So I know Hank was going to listen tonight, and I just wanted to say, hey, Hank, you know, great great job, uh, your your assistance with, with yesterday's having. And, uh, again, thanks for all the wonderful work that you do for veterans. Uh, you just can't you just can't imagine what he does. From the time they walk in that door, until they they end up getting their their compensation, Hank's Hank's on top of it, and he does a great great job. So um, at this point, I want to give that number out again. It's one eight 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 triple eight six two seven six zero zero eight. Give us a call. It's the Veterans News Hour. This is your show, veterans. So give us a call. Back to you, David. Yeah, thanks, Rick, and thanks for uh, for highlighting that. I'm glad it was a great event, and I'm a fan of. Uh... Hank's uh, show there on WOCA in Ocala that uh, even if you're not um, 
in the radio broadcast area of Ocala, Florida, which is a great place, uh, you can still uh, listen uh, through the Internet, WOCA. I think it's every Thursday at uh, 9 a.m. They've got a veterans yep, uh, show there. And I know, Rick, you've been on the show many times. You've even hosted it, uh, yep. I think, occasion, right? So, yeah, I'm so, going uh, to be back on in April, hosting it again. That's great. Yeah. Right. So uh yeah. it's another it's, it's another great uh um, means to uh, to get the word out and certainly a very supportive uh organization there that Hank has in in Ocala for veterans. I uh, got a lot of news for for our listeners uh, this evening. As as many people know, this time of year up in Washington D.C., veterans groups um, converge on Capitol Hill and they make their annual presentations. Uh, to the Senate and the House Veteran Affairs Committee. You know, that's where all the, the heavy lifting detail work is done on legislation that affects the military, the veterans, military veterans. And uh, so the past couple of weeks, veteran organizations were were up uh, Capitol Hill testifying and uh, also submitting detailed uh, presentations that you can uh, access online at uh, the websites. Veterans.senate.gov is the is the Senate uh, committee, and then it's veteranshouse.gov for the House. Uh, but this past week at a joint uh, Senate and House uh, committee hearing, uh, Senate Veteran Affairs Committee Chairman uh, Senator John Tester he raised concerns that many veteran groups have about the VA's caregivers program. The full name is Program of Comprehensive Assistance for Family Caregivers, but it's a program that was established a few years ago uh, with good, by Congress with a lot of great intentions, and that is uh, to help family caregivers of, of uh, disabled veterans. And uh, many parts to the program, it's received a lot of criticism in, in recent years because it seems like the VA has been unreasonably uh, restrictive and has kicked off uh, thousands of families from the program after, after granting them uh, eligibility. But Senator Tester said in a press release, and he said during the American Legion's presentation, and I quote, the VA has recently narrowed eligibility for the caregivers program. I am disturbed by reports that veterans and caregivers in Montana, which I would say is his home state, are being rejected at very, very high rates, including caregivers who have been a part of the program for years and years. Uh, Paul Dillard, the American Legion's national commander, uh, also said that uh, he's very concerned about the hardship that it puts on caregivers. Ralph Bazella, who's the American Legion's chairman of Veteran Affairs and Rehabilitation Commission, said, and I quote, we're finding out that the caregivers applying for these claims are being rejected at an 86 to 87 percent rate. This needs to be fixed. We have to take care of those who care for our veterans. Senator Tester uh, led efforts in the last Congress to expand the VA caregivers program to veterans of all eras, uh, not just the post-9-11 era. And he successfully included language in the Bipartisan VA Mission Act. Since the law's implementation, Senator Tester has continuously raised concerns over the VA's tightened eligibility and delayed rollout of the caregivers program. Last year, he urged VA Secretary uh, Dennis McDonough to reconsider the program's activity of daily living and 70% service connection requirements which the VA data shows accounts for the highest percentage of denials. Uh, Senator Tester said he will lead a 
oversight hearing on the caregivers program on March the 23rd. So those of you that may be interested, uh, check out uh, their website. Uh, and they usually have these hearings um, live streamed. So that would be veterans.senate.gov. Senator Tester has vowed that he will continue his push to ensure that veterans and their caregivers are given the assistance they need. Now, for those of you that are interested in learning more about the caregiver program, the VA's website is easy to remember. It's uh, caregiver.va.gov. Again, that's caregiver.va.gov. Lots of information. In fact, almost an overwhelming amount of information, details and minutiae. It's, it's like a bureaucratic uh, uh, dream to see all the detail in this in this program. A lot of good intentions behind it, but um, it's, it's turned into a nightmare for a lot of veterans and their families. So it's an issue that's going to receive continued uh, attention. And um, mark your calendars if you're interested. March the 23rd, uh, the Senate Veteran Affairs Committee will hold, a night, hold an oversight uh, hearing on that. Okay, Rick, over to you. In other news related to the caregiver program, the National Veterans Legal Services Program, NVLSP, Public Counsel and Pro Bono Counsel Paul Hastings have established a website to provide information to seriously disabled veterans and their family caregivers about how to navigate appeals of benefits decisions under the Department of Veteran Affairs Program of Comprehensive Assistance for Family Caregivers, or as they like to do with their anachronisms, PCAFC or Caregiver Program. The organizations created this website as part of their role as class counsel in the landmark Odette versus McDonough case, which in April of 2021 won for veterans and caregivers the right to appeal caregiver program decisions to the Board of Veteran Appeals, CBA, or the Board. The, we- the website is vacaregiverclassification.com. Again, VA caregiverclassification.com, all one word, except for the .com, provides important information about the class action lawsuit, the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims Decision, and how to appeal caregiver program decisions. This website is an important step in getting veterans and caregivers access to the resources and information they need to secure the benefits they deserve, says Amanda Persaidi, Supervising Staff Attorney and Public Counsel Senator Center for Veterans Advancement. All veterans and family caregivers who applied for benefits under PCAFC during the entire period of the program are allowed to appeal any PCAFC benefit decision to the board. For claimants who appeal, the board could decide they are entitled to reinstatement to the program, increased benefits, and or back pay of benefits previously denied. Under the Baudette's decision, the Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims CAVC held that the Veterans Judicial Review requires that the board, that the Department of Veteran Affairs, permit claimants to appeal PCAFC decisions to the board. The court also ordered that the VA provide notice to members of the class of their right to appeal caregiver program benefits decisions to the board. As a result, starting in November 17, on November 17, 2021, the VA began sending notice to hundreds of thousands of severely disabled veterans and their caregivers. To ensure that VA provides claimants the right to appeal, the CAVC also certified a class of claimants who previously received caregiver program benefits decisions 
but were not permitted to appeal to the board and appointed class counsel to represent the class. The class includes all claimants who receive an adverse benefits decision under the caregiver program, exhausted the administrative review process within the VHA, and have not been afforded the right to appeal to the Board of Veteran Appeals. Again, that, the class includes all claimants who received an adverse benefits decision under the caregiver program, exhausted the administrative review process within the VHA, and have not been afforded the right to appeal to the Board of Veteran Appeals. Over to you, David. Yeah, thanks, Rick. Yeah, and uh, <clears throat> the website for the caregiver program is caregiver.va.gov, and if you're interested in more about the appeal class action, that's uh, vacaregiverclassaction.com. And it's an issue that's going to continue to to evolve like a lot of these. All right, another big news for veterans, as we mentioned last week, uh, a bill, important bill passed uh, the House of Representatives and now going on to the Senate. It's H.R. 3967 as amended. Uh, The full title is called Honoring Our Promise to Address Comprehensive Toxics Act of 2021. It passed the House of Representatives on Thursday, March the 3rd, 2022, with a bipartisan vote of 256 to 174. Uh, But when they say bipartisan, the overwhelming majority of those were Democrats. I think the Democrats were unanimous in support and and just a few dozen Republicans. Uh, I've tried to figure out why so many Republicans opposed it, and uh, the sketchy information I'm finding has to do with with money, and uh, that's the main thing. Certainly, it's going to be a costly piece of legislation. Uh, but in the view of um, the proponents, including uh, House Veteran Affairs Chairman uh, Representative Mark DeCano of California, as well as many veteran organizations, this legislation uh, is important, and it needs to get enacted into law. It will finally treat toxic exposure as a cost of war by addressing the full range of issues affecting toxic exposed veterans including not only access to earned benefits and health care, but many other uh, issues uh, that have given given veterans uh, challenges over the years. It has a strong support of 42 veteran service organizations as well as the Biden administration. Congressman Takano um, issued the following statement on March the 3rd upon the passage of this bill in the House. He said, and I quote, Uh, For too long, Congress and VA have been slow to act on toxic exposure. But today, the House took a bipartisan vote to change that and finally made good on our promise to toxic exposed veterans by passing uh, Honoring Our Pact Act. After years of diligent input from toxic exposed veterans, my colleagues, our staff, VA, and VSOs, we passed the most comprehensive legislation to date to treat toxic exposure as a cost of war and ensure that all toxic exposed veterans can access the care and benefits they've earned. This fight is not over, but I will not rest until our veterans have a guarantee in statute that their government will take care of them when they come home, no matter the cost. I'm so grateful for the strong support from Speaker Pelosi, President Biden, and our dedicated VSOs and advocates. I look forward to working with Senator Tester to pass truly comprehensive legislation through the Senate and send it to the president's desk. Desk. Toxic exposed veterans do not have time to wait, unquote. Now, according to uh, the House press release, this bill, H.R. 3967, 
if it is enacted into law by the Senate, and that's a big if. Um, due to Senate rules, it may not even get to a vote uh, because it requires the support of at least 60 senators uh, to do that uh, and then a majority to pass. But uh, that's, uh, that's a big hurdle uh, given some of the opposition. If it is passed, though, uh, let me highlight some of the, the main components of this. It will uh, provide priority group uh, six health care to over 3.5 million toxic exposed veterans. It will provide an extension of combat eligibility for health care from five to ten years with a one-year open enrollment period for those veterans who missed their window. So those are bas basically those provisions just deal with basic access to VA health care. It will also uh, streamline the VA's review process for establishing toxic exposure presumptions, and those presumptions are important. Uh, for disability compensation. It will concede exposure to airborne hazards and burn pits based on specific locations and dates of service. It will require medical opinions and exams for certain veterans with toxic exposure disability claims. It will add uh, to the Agent Orange presumptive list two more conditions. One is hypertension and the other is monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance which is a rare protein disorder in the blood. It will establish a presumptive service connection for 23 respiratory illnesses and cancers related to burn pits and airborne hazard exposure, which would be a huge, huge development for the post-9-11 veterans. It will also create a presumption of exposure to radiation for veterans who participate in the cleanup activities of atomic accidents in Palomar, Spain, and Inuitaka Atoll in the Pacific. It will allow a new tort claim for veterans and families exposed to toxic water at Camp Lejeune. It will expand Agent Orange exposure uh, presumptions for veterans who served in Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia, as well as Guam and America Samoa. It will attempt to improve data collection between the VA and the, and the Department of Defense. It will commission studies related to incidents of cancer among veterans, health trends of post-9-11 veterans, and feasibility of providing health care to dependents of veterans it will require the VA to provide standardized training to improve toxic exposure disability claims adjudication and require the VA to conduct outreach and provide resources to toxic exposed veterans. So it's a it's massive, a lot of parts to it. Um, if, if you're interested, uh, you can uh, certainly go to the website of um, veterans.house.gov or veterans.senate.gov. As I say, it's passed the House. It's now within the jurisdiction of the U.S. Senate. If you support this legislation, contact your two U.S. Senators. You can find their contact information on the website, senate.gov. It really couldn't be easier than that. And, uh, and I'm going to mention this uh, towards the end of the show, but I want to mention it now. Um, our friends at MilitaryVeteransAdvocacy.org, John Wells and his great team, they have um, on their website uh, a Bill of the Week tab. You click on that, and their website is MilitaryVeteransAdvocacy.org, or if that's too long to remember, it's just MV for Military Veterans, and then Advocacy.org. Click on the Bill of the Week tab. It'll take you to... Uh, various pieces of legislation, and this week's highlighted bill 
is the one I've just been talking about, which is HR 3967. You can read a summary. Uh, you type in your name and your address and your zip, which will then link you to your two U.S. senators. And uh, it's pretty easy. And you can just send a message, and the system works. But, um, you know, don't, don't do nothing. If, if and don't sit back and complain that nothing happens unless you've done your part. So uh, if you want to support veterans uh, that have been affected by these toxic exposures, uh, express your support by contacting your two, US, US, your two U.S. senators at this point and tell them to support uh, this important bill, H.R. 3967. All right, uh, Rick, over to you. Well, before I get into other news, um, I'm a little concerned about what's going to happen in the Senate. You know, if you saw what happened in the, in the House, with a few exceptions, it pretty much came down along party lines, which could be a problem. And quite frankly, David, I, I just I don't understand why the, the two sides can't just uh, put this thing through almost unanimously. I mean, it would be such a huge thing for our, our veterans who were exposed uh, to so many toxic chemicals. You know, you and I see it all the time, and the, the effects that um, these men and women have had. And you hear their stories. I mean, God, you know, you, you hear the stories about how they describe the burn pits, for instance, or, you know, I had that, I had that one... Uh, one client, and I had her describe to the judge exactly what one of her jobs was, which was to uh, stir these 55-gallon tanks of human waste. That's what they use. They didn't have a, these, these bases over, overseas. Didn't, didn't have a, a, a regular uh, system. They just used these 55-gallon drums, and then they would person on a low totem pole, which in this case was my client, there were, I think, nine of them, she said at one time, and she'd have to stir them until they, they liquefied. And then once they've liquefied, you pour gasoline on them, and you light them up. And you wait until everything burns off. And then that just takes over the whole area of the base. Pretty, pretty disgusting, but, uh, you know, and that's, you know... <clears throat> Where, where was That's where more. was this veteran station, Rick? Where 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 was this veteran station at the time? Uh, she was she was in Iraq at the time. <clears throat> My memory serves me correctly. Um, I'm just I'm trying to recall specifically. It was, where was she? I think it was Iraq. Um, but in any event, I mean, she, you know, to hear her describe this uh, experience, and, you know, I mean, to her credit, she, she said, look, you know, I'm a soldier. I'm told what to do, and I go and do it. Um, but now she suffers from all sorts of issues, including uh, the depression or PTSD, which I did get her 100% for PTSD. Uh but we had to fight for, for everything. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just ludicrous. And, you know, now we've got legislation sitting out there 
we could could make uh, everything so much easier for our men and women. And, uh, so David's right. You know, everybody out there, veterans, civilians, you need to pick up the phone and call your senator. Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Just call them up and tell them to pass this legislation. It's about time. You know, uh, this is their age in arms, their camp regime. So, in a press release on March the 1st, 2022, the Department of Veteran Affairs said it intends to propose adding nine rare respiratory cancers to the list of presumed service-connected disabilities in relation to military environmental exposure to particulate matter. VA determined through a focused review of scientific and medical evidence there is a biologic plausibility between airborne hazards, specifically particulate matter, and carcinogenesis of the respiratory tract, and that the unique circumstances of these rare cancers warrant a presumption of service connection. Based on these findings, VA Secretary is proposing a rule that will add presumptive service connection for several rare respiratory cancers for certain veterans. The cancers under consideration include squamous cell carcinoma of the larynx, squamous cell carcinoma of the trachea, adenocarcinoma of the trachea, salivary gland-type tumors of the trachea, adenosquamous carcinoma of the lung, large cell carcinoma of the lung, salivary gland-type tumors of the lung, sarcomatoid carcinoma of the lung, typical atypical carcinoid of the lung. This is the right decision, the rarity and severity of these illnesses, and the reality that these conditions present a situation where it may not be possible to, to develop additional evidence prompted us to take this critical action, said VA Secretary Dennis McDonough. We'll continue to hold ourselves accountable to veterans to provide more care, more benefits, and more services to more veterans than ever before. VA intends to focus its rules, rule on the rare respiratory cancers above in veterans who served any amount of time in the Southwest Asian Theater of Operations and other locations. VA will invite and consider public comments as part of this process. Once rulemaking is complete, the VA said it will conduct outreach to impacted veterans and survivors to inform them about potential eligibility. As we've mentioned in our prior shows, the Department of Veterans Affairs began processing disability claims August 2, 2021 for asthma, rhinitis, and sinusitis on a presumption basis based on presumed particulate matter exposures during military service in Southwest Asia and certain other areas. These conditions manifested within 10 years of a qualifying period of military service. VA conducted the first part of a newly formed internal VA process to review scientific evidence to support rulemaking resulting in a recommendation to consider creation of new presumptions of service connection for respiratory conditions based on VA's evaluation of the National Academies of Science, Engineering, and Medicine report and other evidence. The process included the particulate matter populations associated with chronic asthma, retinitis, and sinusitis for veterans who served in the Southwest Asian Theater of Operations beginning August 2, 1990 to the present, or Afghanistan, Uzbekistan, Syria, uh, Djibouti, beginning September 19, 2001 to the present. The VA's review also concluded that there was sufficient evidence to presume that these veterans have been exposed to particulate matter. I announced my intent to initiate rulemaking on May 27th to consider adding respiratory conditions to the list of chronic disabilities to Dennis McDonough, Secretary of Veteran Affairs. Through this process, I determined that the evidence provided was sufficient to establish presumptions 
of service connection for these three respiratory conditions. This is the right decision, and the VA will continue to use a holistic approach in determining toxic exposure presumptions moving forward. In other news, the National Veterans Legal Services Program, the NVLSP.org, wants veterans and their families to know that it has a new dedicated burn pit assistant, burn pits claims assistant program, burn pits CAP. This program marks a major expansion of the free legal representation that the NVLSP has provided to veterans and their survivors over the last 40 years. The burn pits CAP will assist veterans exposed to toxic emissions from burn pits while serving overseas by representing them on claims for disability benefits before the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. Open burn pits located near military bases were commonly used by the U.S. military departments in Southwest Asia to dispose of assorted waste and other matter. The Department of Defense and VA agree that the smoke and fumes emitted from these burn pits contain numerous toxic chemicals. Over 240,000 veterans and service members have documented their exposure to the VA's airborne hazards and open burns registry. Despite its recognition that burn pits located on numerous military bases emitted toxic chemicals, the VA has thus far denied over 75% of disability claims based on burn pit exposure. The burn pit claims assistance program is a natural extension of NVLSP's legal expertise and tenacity in fighting for veterans and their families to ensure they receive the life-changing benefits they need and deserve, said NVLSP Executive Director Paul Wright. NVLSP has a solid record of defending the rights of veterans with chronic illnesses due to their exposure during military service to toxic chemicals. The most significant example is NEMA versus U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs. A class action lawsuit brought on behalf of all Vietnam veterans and their survivors who had been or would be denied VA benefits for conditions associated with exposure to Agent Orange. In this historic case, the federal court invalidated the VA Agent Orange compensation rule and approved a consent decree requiring VA to pay retroactive disability and death benefits. As a result of the consent decree and four successful motions for enforcement, the VA has been forced to pay over $4.6 billion in VA compensation benefits to Vietnam veterans and their survivors. NVLSP's work on behalf of the Vietnam veterans exposed to Agent Orange underscores the organization's ability to tackle the burn pits issue, often cited as the Agent Orange equivalent for post-9-11 veterans. To learn more about NVLSP burn pits claims system program, go to, we- go to the website at nvlsp.org. And the NVLSP is also a steadfast advocate for legislation that would grant presumption coverage for veterans with burn pits exposure. Ryan and David and I both are highly supportive of NVLSP. So give you know, go back to that website and check them out. Again, it's NVLSP.org. Over to you, David. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, and another um class action case that uh, National Veterans Legal Service Program uh was a part of this affects uh, thousands of uh, military retirees who have combat-related disabilities. Uh, back in December of 2021, a federal court in Texas ordered uh, the government to make retroactive payments of compensation known as combat-related special compensation, CRSC, uh, to a class of about 9,000 veterans who had not received the full amount of that compensation they were owed because the military illegally imposed a six-year ceiling on the amount it would pay in retroactive compensation. Uh, the class of veterans was represented by the National Veterans Legal Service Program and its pro bono assistance of the law firm of Sidley Austin. 
LLP. So it's a, it was a major decision by that court that corrected injustice to thousands of veterans with combat-related injuries and illnesses who risked their lives in a time of war, according to NVLSP senior attorney uh, David uh, Sonashine. As he said in his press release, quote, we are grateful the court rejected the government's attempt to shortchange disabled veterans from the full payment they earned through their service, unquote. Uh, now, this program, this combat-related special compensation, provides tax-free payments to retired veterans with combat-related disabilities. Now, not all service-connected disabilities by the VA are combat-related, as, as many, many veterans know. Um, however, the, the military denied eligible veterans these payments for the entire period of their military retirement, instead limiting payment to up to and only six years before the veteran applied for CRSC. The district court in Texas, though, rejected uh, the government's argument and ordered the government to pay all former service members whose amount of CRSC payment was limited by the government's application and who were owed less than $10,000. The court's jurisdiction is limited to claims of less than 10000 MVLSP and Sidley Austin law firm have filed a similar class action on behalf of veterans owed 10000 or more in the United States Court of Federal Claims. And you can, that's the case of Page, P-A-I-G-E, Page versus United States. You can find out more on nvlsp.org. Uh, so we also have uh, some more news that's important to veterans who received uh, less than honorable discharges and as a result were ineligible for important VA benefits. But before I get to that, let's go back over to uh, Rick Hurley for your thoughts. Well, you know, it's just, uh, I, I think I'm struck by just the, the constant uh, nickel and diming that the veterans have to go through uh, after their after their discharge and they're seeking their benefits and and it just seems like it's always a fight and and the government's always trying to cut corners on on uh, the, the compensation that our veterans are entitled to and. It makes the veteran fight. And, you know, it just goes. It, it it just confirms for me why. And David, you hear this all the time when you're talking to a veteran, and they they say, "I've been fighting for eight years. I've been fighting for ten years. I gave up." You hear that stuff all the time. And uh, and 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 over the years, I I understand why. I understand why. Uh, so you know, veterans, you gotta. There's a lot of stuff out there, and damn it, you gotta fight for it. But uh, it, you're entitled to it, and um, go get it, and put together a good team, whether it's an attorney or whatever you, you need to do. But go, go put together yourself a good team, and go get all the compensation that you're entitled to. Back to you, David. Yeah, one thing I wanted before going on to the news about uh, the uh, the discharges and the effect on uh, VA, I wanted to add one thing further since we were talking about um, the impact of money. Uh, this afternoon, I received an email newsletter from Military Veterans Advocacy, and uh, and in that, uh, John Wells provides an update on the toxic exposure legislation we were talking about earlier, that H.R. 3967 in particular. And um, the newsletter 
says uh, in part, and I quote, it says, uh, two important bills have passed one House of Congress, H.R. 3967, the honoring our promise to address Comprehensive Toxic Act of 2021 has passed the House by a vote of 257 to 174. Um, a, a different bill, very different, S3541, called Health Care for Burn Pit Veterans Act, passed the U.S. Senate unanimously, so without opposition. The two bills, as uh, MVA pointed out, are not similar. H.R. 3967 is, in their opinion and my opinion as well, a better bill in that it includes herbicide issues in Guam, Johnston Island, American Samoa, Thailand, Laos, Cambodia, and radiation to include Enuitoc and Palomaris. Um, goes on to say in this newsletter, though, that, however, Senate Bill 3541 probably has the best chance of being enacted as you would imagine, if it passed unanimously by the Senate. The problem, and I'm quoting from uh, MVA's newsletter, the problem, as it always is, is the effect of the Pay-As-You-Go Act of 2010. This law requires an offset any time new mandatory spending is added by Congress. The medical coverage of S-3541 is not considered mandatory spending. Now, the compensation in H.R. 3967 is considered mandatory spending, and at $208 billion, there are no offsets available to fund the bill, and no waiver has been enacted. So there's the crux of the problem in terms of money. Uh, MVA mentions this $208 billion figure for H.R. 3967. MBA goes on to say in the newsletter, quote, the problem is that the bill needs 60 votes to move to the floor, meaning in the Senate. Without it, H.R. 3967 will die. Senators Tester and Moran have envisioned S-3541 as being the first step in a three-phase process to reach the same goals as the PACT bill, which is 3967. Uh, the idea is to cover burn pit medical costs first, then the next two phases, streamline the methodology the VA uses to add presumptive diseases, and then address compensation across the board. Um, MVA supports all the bills, according to this newsletter, this email I received this afternoon. They go on to express the opinion, though, that while Congress works on funding uh, the H.R. 3967, it just makes good sense for the House to pass S-3541 or its companion bill of H.R. 6659. It's not what anyone wants, but it's better than what we are doing now. Additionally, we need to push for H.R. 3368, which is partly included in, in the pact, as well as a number of other bills, some of which are partly included, some of which are not. Now, if I'm getting into too much of the detail here for our listeners, I apologize but I suggest you go to the website of militaryveteransadvocacy.org and um, sign up to become a member, a supporter, uh, because they are really the tip of the spear as far as keeping track of this legislation, um, having a, an active presence on Capitol Hill, um, lobbying members of Congress, meeting with members of the VA as well as members of Congress. 
and there's a lot of complexity to these, to these bills, obviously. And uh, Military Veterans Advocacy is doing a great job, as well as other organizations. Um, but go to their website, militaryveteransadvocacy.org, and um, check out what they're doing. In any event, I just want to, to add a little more detail about why people might be surprised when this thing doesn't sail through the, the U.S. Senate. Um, but one thing I would add to that, Rick, my own personal view is when they start splitting the, the legislation strategy into three phases, the third phase being the disability compensation, you know, that's where we get into these presumptives. And if this proposed bill were to add dozens of presumptive disabilities, it would make it a lot easier for veterans uh, to get compensated for service-connected disabilities, all these respiratory illnesses and other cancers. Um, but what we're seeing is a repeat of what we saw with the Vietnam veterans and Agent Orange, where, where it's, you know, it's been a fight over many, many, many decades, and that fight is still continuing. Uh, so uh, it's a shame, um, you know, that they just don't go ahead and take care of it now. Senate, the Senate, in my opinion, ought to pass 3967 and uh, and then go on from there. Uh, Rick, any thoughts before we talk about the discharge class action lawsuit? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, you said it best when you talked about, you know, the situation with Vietnam veterans and, and I guess it's been a year now when they added uh, three conditions, Parkinsonism, hypothyroidism, and and bladder cancer. Well, one of the leading causes of bladder cancer um, is smoking. So over the years, uh, you know, David, you and I have had clients who had bladder cancer, um, and we put claims in for it, and they would get denied. And the reason that they got denied is because they had a history of smoking. And, and it, you know, I was talking about this to some Vietnam veterans yesterday at the golf outing, and uh, and they all were laughing because they they said, "Well, you know, before I went to Vietnam, I never smoked." But you know, in that little pack that they give you with a little fruit and a sandwich and whatever else, a cookie, there's always four or five cigarettes. And by the time I left Vietnam a year later, I was hooked. And, uh, yeah, I came, I came home and I kept smoking and eventually, you know, I stopped smoking. I got married. My wife didn't like it. And I eventually gave it up. Well, we, we've heard this, you know, this, this fact situation for years now. And, and that was, you know, a, a reason that these veterans were being denied the compensation. Well, now the VA has stepped up to the plate, and, uh, you know, they, they've, they've now changed that, and they've added bladder cancer to the presumptive list. And that's, that's super. It was the right but thing to do. not because of smoking. Yeah, but not because of smoking. But, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. It's, right, but they added bladder cancer to the list. Uh, yeah, not because of smoke, but it was still now added to the list. But I don't know about you, David. But I've got a, a, a number of veterans that uh, we we tried to apply for bladder cancer, got denied because they were smokers, and these these veterans are no longer with us. They've, they've passed away, so they've never benefited from this change in the presumptive list. 
So, you know, again, going back to what you just said earlier about just it's so important to get these presumptive um, conditions out there, and let's do it now. You know, why, why are we waiting around to all of a sudden, you know, play games with, with veterans' lives? Like, these veterans sacrificed their lives for our freedom, and let's never forget that. And we need to do everything that we can do on our end to help them and whatever sacrifices we have to make on our end to make sure that they get uh, what they're entitled to, then, then let's do it. And I just think that we, we, we love to talk about the veteran. We, 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 we march with them at all the different parades. We wave the flags with them. Uh, but then when it comes time for Washington to do what they're supposed to do, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, I think they fall short. Uh, so as David said, you know, let's get these, you know, it would be so good to get these presumptive lists uh, all, all uh, set up for our veterans. And, again, you, you know, civilians, are, you know, our veterans are calling their, their congressmen all the time. We need our civilians to do the same thing. Uh, and, you know, we've got we to encourage Washington to, to finally, you know, across the board, uh, put these presumptive conditions out there so our men and women don't have to fight. They don't need to go find a doctor who can provide us with a nexus letter to connect the dots. It can just be very easy, like with some of the Agent Orange. If you were in, in, in Vietnam, you've got a heart disease, it's presumptively connected. So let's do the same thing with, with all these new uh, medical conditions that are coming up. Let's, let's make them all presumptive. Conditions. Back to you, David. All right. Uh, thanks, Rick. Uh, two class action lawsuits I want to highlight. Uh, these are affecting uh, thousands of um, Army veterans as well as uh, Marine and Navy veterans. I'll give you the websites first. Uh, they deal with uh, the issue of uh, basically derogatory administrative discharges under other than honorable discharges uh, being the most common of these categories but also general discharges. Two websites are kennedysettlement.com, which involves uh, Army veterans, kennedysettlement.com. And then uh, the other one, which the other class action suit, which affects those in the Navy and the Marine Corps, is uh, mankersettlement.com, which is spelled M-A-N-K-E-R, and then settlement.com. Uh, the Army class action lawsuit uh, was approved by a court uh, last April of 2021, and the Navy Marine Corps class action suit received court approval um, a month ago on February the 15th, 2022. There are similarities here. Basically, it requires that the, uh, the service review boards um, basically provide a, a fresh review uh, for cases in which veterans had sought uh, an upgrade of their other than honorable or general discharges, and uh, they attributed uh, misconduct on their records to the effects of post-traumatic stress or traumatic brain injury or uh, sexual trauma or other behavioral health conditions. Both of these class action suits have in common that the courts, you know, approve the settlements that require um, 
you know, both of these uh, services, the Army and then the Navy, Navy encompassing the Marine Corps as well, that they uh, take a fresh look at these uh, at these discharges. Uh, the settlement is is very complicated as far as um, when a veteran may have applied for a discharge upgrade and been denied, uh, depending on when that occurred. Uh, there are different rules as far as whether uh, the, the the review boards will automatically, you know, review these cases or if they have to reapply. But that's why, let's keep it simple here, there's two important websites. For the Army, it's kennedysettlement.com, and for the Navy and Marine Corps, it's mancursettlement.com, and that's spelled M-A-N, as in man, K-E-R, and then settlement.com. And I applaud the work of a number of uh, organizations, uh, veteran advocates uh, that were behind both of uh, these class action lawsuits because they're truly going to benefit, um, you know, thousands and thousands of, of veterans um, simultaneously. It'll make their individual fight because obviously this, this class action doesn't result in automatic upgrade, but it does require a, a fresh review and uh, requires that those boards consider evidence of things like traumatic brain injury, post-traumatic stress, military sexual trauma, other behavioral health conditions, which may have been the explanation for for the misconduct for which the veteran uh, was booted with, with, with so-called bad paper. So it's very, very important. Help us get the word out. And the reason I say that is, you know, some of these veterans may have been um, discharged 20 years ago. And uh, in the last 20 years, they may have moved countless times, and, and, and all the military is supposed to reach out and try to contact them. Ask yourself, how likely is it that the military is still going to have a good address, a good valid address for these people? Uh, so unless they find out uh, through some way or communication or through the media or through word of mouth, through veterans groups or through your help, uh, many veterans out there may not hear about it. So, you know, there's a lot of veterans, some of them are homeless, uh, that, that were discharged with so-called bad paper, and as a result, they lost VA eligibility for for, uh, for various benefits. And uh, so this is very important. These class action lawsuits will, will change people's lives for the better. All right, uh, let's move on. I know we're about running out of time, Rick, so let's go back over to you. I know you want to talk about the VA's coaching into care program. Yeah, and, and uh, just to highlight what you had said about um, making sure you, veterans, make sure you keep your, your addresses updated uh, in the system. It, that is, David said, right, that is so important. And I, you know, I can think of so many situations where uh, the veterans failed to do that, and, uh, and it did cause a lot of problems. If you have a representative, especially if you have an attorney, I know, you know, David and I both, you know, <clears throat> when a veteran does change an address, and they let us know. I mean, we both send in a change of address notification to the VA, uh, so so you know that you're going to get it that way if you have someone representing you. So it's very important because the VA will will find a way to wiggle out of something, and that's one of the ways they'll do it. Okay, we got the coaching in the care program, and we always like to highlight this program 
This is our weekly reminder to veterans and their families about this important program. It helps veterans having difficulty transitioning to home life. Returning home can be a tough adjustment and loved ones can help. Coaching in the Care offers free coaching to help you help your veterans. Give the program a call at one 823 It's hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. Again, the VA's coaching the care number is one 823 In addition, I'd like to once again remind listeners that if you know a veteran who is suicidal or in a crisis of any kind, the U.S. Department of Veteran Affairs also has the Veterans Crisis Line to help. Call 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Many veterans have committed suicide because they did not get the help they needed. Help them get the care they need to cope with their problems. Once again, the Veterans Crisis Line can help, and their number is 1-800-273-8255 and press 1. Take us home, David. Well, it's time for us to go. It's been a quick hour. Thank all of you for listening to the Veterans News Hour here on BBS Radio Station 1. We'd like to thank our producer at BBS Radio, Mr. Doug Newsom, and we hope you'll tune in next week, same time and station which is 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central, 5 p.m. Mountain Time, and 4 p.m. Pacific Time here on bbsradio.com station one for another edition of the Veterans News Hour. Until then, I hope you have a great week. Stay safe and stay healthy. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.